0: Media Ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.cornerstone.org, or by subscribing to our podcast. Open your Bibles to Revelation twenty-two. Well, we've made it to the last chapter of the entire Bible, and um, we've actually come today, and, and we see actually the the last words about heaven. Uh, there's going to be two more sermons from chapter 22 after this. Jeff, next week, will be preaching. And then I'll follow that up and close out this preaching series. Uh, but it goes on and it's not talking about a description of heaven anymore. It talks about really the last days, the certain return of Christ and how he'll come back. And so these are the last words that we get about heaven. And I don't know about you, but um, I hope that you've uh, liked this series, that it has built in you a desire. To, to be with God in heaven? Uh, when we began, and I was praying through, there was three different things that I really desired for us to be able to glean from God's word that I believe that this text in chapter one uh, 21 and 22 spoke to. And those three things were, number one, that we would have a growing anticipation to be with God. That more and more and more, even though we're living here on earth, that we would just desire so much to be with God. The second thing that I wanted us to to glean from this is to gather strength for our earthly journey, not just to have our head in the clouds, but why we're walking terra firma as we're just walking this earth that would, that we would have strength that would inspire our faith, and that we get just that ability to say, okay, God, this is today, but this is the promise of tomorrow. The third thing that I wanted is that we would have a more biblical basis of what life might be like in heaven. And I know for the most part, I'm just being real honest here, most people are more disappointed with what it looks like in heaven from a biblical perspective because they really did say, okay, are we going to be fishing? Are we going to be golfing? Are we going to be able to do all these different things? And what we really wanted within our humanity is a really glorified and a wonderful version of earth, okay? Take the perfect weather, San Diego, and okay, we want to be 72 degrees all the time, and we want beauty, we want this, uh, we do want seasons. We want the fall to look like, you know, uh, the Tennessee mountains or something like that. And we want beach scenes. And we want this new and improved version of earth. And in one way, it's going to be like that. It is new heavens and a new earth. And so there'll be some aspects there. And yet, for the most part, the one thing that we really kind of get the disconnect on when we have this version of heaven in our mind is that we get God. And you probably... Honestly, kind of bored to to hear that today because I've said it every single week for five or six weeks. It is heaven, guys. We get God. We get to be with God, our maker, our creator. The one that we just spoke about when we said, holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty. We get to be with him and, and we actually get to be with him in close relationship without sin, without any distraction, with all these other things. And so in some ways, through this series, I think that it has really, truly inspired us. Hey, I can't wait for heaven. I'm excited about that. In other ways, it's like, okay, that kind of blew my version of what I thought heaven was going to be. Well, this morning, we I want to remind you of the two things that kind of limit our view of heaven. Remember when we gave out the BB weeks ago and we said, if you can remember this, it's going to really help you grasp how limited our knowledge of heaven is and why the Bible doesn't have... 14,000 chapters describing heaven because uh, in that little BB brain that we have, that's the amount of capacity that we have to really grasp what heaven will be like. And so in this little limited capacity, there's only so much that God can say that we would be really be able to get and, and truly equivalent what heavens can be like. The second thing, remember we said that 99.9% of our questions are on this level, the earthly level. Just what happens in our own life? What are we going to wear? What are we going to eat? If we do have these places in heaven, are they really mansions? How big's the mansion? Will my wife have one mansion and I'll have another mansion? If so, will they be joined together at least through one door? I mean, all kinds of questions that we have from a human perspective. And we said that the way that the Bible answers those human level questions, resounding is one answer, and it's a spiritual answer. And it's the right answer. We get God. And yet sometimes that can be very frustrating to us. Truth is, even after studying this text for six weeks, there's going to be a certain amount of questions that we have about heaven. I mean, we just sang about cherubim and seraphim. I mean, I can remember as a kid going to church going, what in the world is a cherubim? You know, is it kind of like a chariot but modified? You know, I had, it's just two types of creations of angels that God has made. Kind of totally, you know, right now we're going, why is that relevant? And yet one day we're going to meet some cherubim, seraphim, I think. Or we're going to join them in the praising and the worship of God. And so we have all these questions. And this morning we still have this curiosity. What is heaven going to be like? And so we come to these last five verses that God describes heaven. And I think that they emphasize what we have said all along about Revelation. So if you've been here for all six weeks, you're going to go, didn't you already say that two weeks ago, three weeks ago, four weeks ago? And the answer is going to be yes, because God's consistent in his answer. What is heaven like? And His answer always comes back to. He claims us as his people. We get to be his people. We're with God and God is with us. Our little BB brains. Okay, that's kind of good, I'm glad. Especially glad that I'm with you and not in the alternative. But God, what are we going to do for fun? What what, what are we going to do for all these other things? I mean, it's going to be a long time. Didn't you say it goes forever and ever and ever and ever and ever? I mean, in some of my discipleship groups, uh, some of the guys have been very honest. Said, yeah, the thought of even a one-year worship service, a one-day worship service... I mean, we're pretty exhausted after 40 minutes, right? 40, 50 minutes. We're going, okay, time to wrap up, preacher. You know, that's all I can take. So how in the world do we get years, 10,000 years, million years, never ending? Because we will be transformed. And everything that is a limitation now will not be limited there. You and I, folks, we can read the Word of God all day. We can pray. We can do all these spiritual activities. And yet there's still a limit of knowing the fullness of God right now. But in heaven we won't be. Uh, These five verses that we're going to read this morning are really a continuation of chapter 21. Uh, I don't know if you knew this. Some of you may be aware. But the Bible wasn't written in chapters and, and verses. You know, they just wrote letters, epistles, and writings, and prophecies. And they wrote it down. Man came back later and said, you know, wouldn't it be easier... If we could say, go to Isaiah chapter 45, verse 12. Just as I told you this morning, open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 22, verse 1. There was a marker there, and, and so man came in and had great intention. And I believe God aided that and, and blessed that. But there's a few times in the Bible where we see a break made by man in numbers and verses that really, I, I don't know, and most theologians would kind of agree, shouldn't have been a break. And this is one of those times. This is a continuation that started in chapter 21, where John is seeing heaven revealed to him. Look what it says in verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, brightest crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. If there was one word that you had to pick out of that verse that maybe you think is the central kind of passion, the central breathing point of that verse... What word, and don't be afraid of being wrong, okay? Well, what word will you pick out? And, and that's not a rhetorical question, just kind of... Okay, somebody said life. Who said life? Okay, good. Miss Lynn, you got it right. You get the gold star. There's an extra donut out there for you in the lobby afterwards. Uh, to me, life is. Now, that's questionable. There's not a verse next that says, and the most important word in the verse before is the word Life. But when you look at it, everything centers around in this verse. Centers around this life that God desires to have us. That would be my word. I believe that's kind of the central point. Not just because it's in the middle, but everything in this river of water, you know, is signifying life. Now, back in the middle, uh, you know, in, in the Middle East, you can imagine with all the desert that they have out there, life is essential. I mean, if you go camping, and let's say that you were stranded, what's the first thing that you need to make sure that you have access to? Water. You can do without food. for I think they said you can do without food like 30 days. The human body can kind of go for a long time. and uh, But water, you need that drastically within about 48 hours or it starts to have some really bad effects on your body. Well, what we see here in the Middle East Water was essential. It was essential for them to build their communities around water, to have a well where they could go get fresh water, because that was the substance of life. So God uses that illustration of the water and this river being the substance of life here. Notice the details of the river, of, uh, of the water of life. He said it's bright as crystal. I don't know if you've ever seen some of those pictures where you can't even tell that there's water in there because it's so clear. Or has anybody ever been like way, way up in the mountains and you got some of the, the, the water that was coming off the mountains before it got into the rest of the train, and it just tastes different. It's just different. It's pure. It just tastes like that's what water should taste like. Well, Well, that's the picture here. The emphasis is on the clarity and the purity of this water. So that when you're drinking of it, to use our illustration, you know it's not something you take a drink and then spit it back out. It is so life-giving, so satisfying to your thirst. And that's the emphasis that he makes here to John. But also that we saw, remember the woman at the well? And I realized we just talked about the woman at the well like three weeks ago. But that's what Jesus meant. He says, wouldn't you love to have water where you never thirsted again? And immediately she thought about it on a human level. She goes, that would be great. Number one, the long trek that she had every day to get water. Then can you, has anybody ever carried a pail of water before? It's not light, okay? Especially as you get into that second mile or however long it is that you have to travel. And so can you imagine from the human perspective, when Jesus goes to this woman and the woman says, don't you wish you had water where you'd never thirst again? And she's like, sign me up. And then he moved over to the spiritual water that he was talking about. Look what it says. Again, John 4, 13 through 14. I realized that we just covered this a couple weeks ago, or at least made, made mention of this. But John has it brought up before him again in this passage. So it's not like, okay, we're repeating it. John is repeating it because it's part of the vision. John chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water. Finish the verse for me. What, what kind of life? He said, the water that I give you brings life. Not just for the next 24 hours, not next, you know, till you get thirsty again. The water that I give you that I'm speaking about, Jesus to this woman at the well, He said, the the water that I gave you, it satisfies the need that you have for eternal life. It gives you a substance that doesn't wear out. Uh, We see a lot of references in the Old Testament to this. The Old Testament is probably, I mean, it really is the best way to, to look at the New Testament. You look through that lens, and you see God bringing everything into a redeeming end. And in Isaiah chapter 66, verse 12, look what it says there about life And then it's going to introduce a new concept in life, and that is peace. For thus says the Lord, behold, I will extend peace to her like a river. Ever heard a song, when peace, like a river. Probably where they got it from. Because there are several verses in the Old Testament that equate this water, this river, to like peace coming into our life. So the illustration here, the symbolism, I'm not saying that there's not a real... Uh, you know, crystal uh, river coming through the throne room of God. I, I believe that if it could be kind of symbolic or it could be very literal. We'll know someday. But until then, whether it's symbolic or literal, here, here's what it means. That God has this promise to bring life and peace to our lives. And what's the source of that? It's flowing from the throne of God. Now that all sounds very spiritual, doesn't it? Because it is. And yet, folks, here here is one of the first things that we have to kind of realize about our life: we are needy people. And you know where our need began? It's called first breath. <laughs> we were born in a needy nature. Now you can be all theological about it, and you say oh, it's because of our sin nature, and say so we're born in need. You could say from a uh, philosophical uh, level that we had need to be directed. You could say from a physical level that we needed to be cared for. I mean, you can come from any aspect you want. But the thing is, we were born in need. And guess what we have remained? Even for those that said, yeah, I have Christ in me. I'm a Christian. I I put my full trust and faith and belief in God. We are still needy people. One of the biggest things that we have to realize is that our needs pretty much begin to direct us in all the choices that we make in life. But when you're hungry, how do you satisfy that hunger? I mean, if it's a physical hunger, you eat. Now what you eat, it depends on different people. Uh, you know, would you agree that there are some foods that totally satisfy your physical need, but they don't taste good? How many of y'all love spinach? I mean, like, you love spinach. Yeah. It, it's very nutritious. It has vitamins and all this. Uh, or Brussels sprouts. Brussels sprouts? Yeah. But others would say, no, if I was dying, I would not touch that. Okay? And, and so in our need, just because there's an answer doesn't mean that we always kind of direct ourselves to that. Because we go out and we say, okay, even if I was dying, I wouldn't eat that. I promise you. For all those people that hate Brussels sprouts, if you were dying on a deserted island, you'd go, please, could I have one Brussels sprout? I mean, I I promise. The need just hasn't been great enough. Cheeseburger, Brussels sprout. That's an easy one for me. I mean, that is so super easy. I know which one I'm going to choose to meet my need. Here's the thing, guys. We are needy people. And don't be offended by that. Just understand that you're in a large group of people called humans, and every one of us have needs in our lives. And God made us in such a way. Remember last week we said, what are we at the core in God's design? Spiritual people. And so our spiritual part, it's a part of us, it's our core. You are a spiritual person who just happens to have a physical life, a physical body. But God did make us mental, some more mental than others, and emotional and some more emotional than others, and physical. These are all the dynamics of our life. God in his wonderful design has made us this way. At the core is the spiritual life. But would you say this morning, would you agree philosophically that as a human you have needs in every one of these areas? I promise you, you do. A need for a physical life, A, a, a need for emotional life, mental life, spiritual life. And the way that our brain works, it takes these needs and it begins to look for a source to satisfy those needs. Everybody remember Maslow back in college? If you took Maslow's hierarchy of needs and all that kind of stuff, there's a lot of truth to that in a very philosophical way. This is our human condition. We are people that have needs, And we seek out ways to satisfy those needs. Now, let me ask you a question that you can answer. Are all the ways to satisfy those needs healthy or on the same level? For for example, is a cheeseburger as healthy as a Brussels sprout? I would say yes, too. Whoever said yes, I, I would agree with you, brother. No, there's healthy choices that, that help build your body. There's unhealthy choices that are not as good. There, there's a, a scale out there of unhealthy to, to healthy. Would you say that's true for emotional needs and fulfilling the needs for relationship and community with one another? Would you say that's the same for even our spiritual needs? Folks, people who... It's always amazed me that just because you don't follow Christianity doesn't mean that you're not a spiritual person. I see people all the time. Do you know that like witches and warlocks, not to pick on witches and warlocks, but that's a spiritual need that's coming from the spirit. okay? And they're just fulfilling with something that way. You say, man, that's not even agreeable to, to the things of the Bible. And yet it is spiritual in nature. There's a core in them that goes, okay, there's a spirit within me, a soul within me, and this is how I'm going to answer that need. It's not a healthy way. It's not a Christian way. It's not a biblical way, but it is a way that you do that. Once we understand these things about ourselves, guys, what it shows us is really a perspective of how God is answering those needs by his word and by his commandments and by his direction. Ten commandments, a lot of people say, man, that's just, you know, God saying, no, 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 thou shalt not do this. Guys, if you look at the Ten Commandments as like safety rails on the road of life, you're really going to get a much better perspective. That's dangerous over there. That's not healthy for you. May it satisfy a need. How many of y'all have satisfied, since we're talking about hunger this morning, satisfied a need for hunger, and then like five minutes later, you were mad at yourself? I did that last night. I, you know, Carly and night, we had a, a lunch, and we weren't hungry, so we said, oh, let's not really do supper or anything. And yet, I went and got all the chili and the hot dogs and the potatoes for tonight's men's meeting. And I was like, you know, I'll have a hot dog. And afterwards, and I love hot dogs, okay? And it wasn't a bad hot dog. It was just one of those things. I was kicking myself the rest of the night. I told Carly, he said, ah, why did I eat that? I wasn't hungry. Why did I do that? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Haven't we all done that before? I mean, there's other times when it really wasn't healthy, but we're going, that sure was good. I mean, there's been times that we have to admit that we went on a healthy route, but we did it. Here's the point. Once we get in our minds that we were born in need and we are going to be needy all of our life until we take our last breath, we begin to see how the gospel answers the greatest need of our life and how that begins to influence every other decision that we have in life. Here, the quality of heaven that we're talking about, that John is revealed to John, is life and peace. And it's hard for us to imagine. I mean, we have these little BB-sized brains. This capacity is very limited. But think about it. Right now we have a need for physical life, and we meet that by food. Uh, Emotional life, we meet that by relationships. I mean, would would you say that your peace level, your happiness level, your joy level... Goes up if you want to be in a relationship and you weren't and now you are. I mean, isn't that part of the human condition? You know, that you really wanted somebody special in your life. I mean, when when my grandkids get on the phone and FaceTime and stuff like that, my joy level, my peace level, I mean, just the fulfillment when they're at our house and around our table oh my goodness, we just got a new table that Carly's wanted forever because now it seats 10. Is it because of the type of table? No. She wanted a table that seats 10. Why? Guess how many are in our immediate family? 10. And this mama was so happy. She goes, I can't wait to Thanksgiving. can't wait to Christmas. I can't wait to any family gathering. Why? Because I have a need that's satisfied that God made me in such a way that I love my family. I can't wait to wear all gathered. Does that make sense, guys? So all these are human conditions. Well, you have all these. Now look what it says when we begin to look at it that you know this peace and this life is coming in this river from the throne of God. Go to that gauge. What if you had a need gauge on your life, on your forehead? How many of y'all would have been in the red zone this week? At least once or twice or five times or this morning. How many of y'all would have been this morning already in the red zone? You know, warning lights just blasting. Because the need was so great. And sometimes it's anxiety. I mean, uh, coming to get baptized. Excited? Kind of scared. Man, I get it. What is the area of your life that you've red zone here lately? Could be financial. I mean, times really are kind of difficult, guys. I mean, you start running out of cash before you run out of food for the month. Oh, so anybody got their tax bill yet? Oh, my goodness. I mean, these are real things in a real life. We're real people. And all of a sudden when we see crisis in our life, we're going, okay, I've got more need than I have supply in the area of money. What happens in our mind? We go in the red zone. Has anybody woken up in the middle of light, uh, in the middle of the night in the last, uh, month or two and a thought came to your mind about finances? I mean, just kind of through your hand like this, Yeah, It happens, doesn't it, guys? But what is your area? Would it be more relational? Hey, my marriage is in trouble. My kids are are just kind of all over the place. I wish I had a marriage or I wish I had kids. These are real things, guys. And the reason that we're spending a lot of time here to show our neediness, because I want you to see the supply that God has promised in heaven. Right now, do we have some of that supply? Can we have that supply met through our relationship with Christ Jesus? Yes, but, but be very, very, listen carefully, but only limited right now. Not because Christ is limited in giving, but we are limited in our sinfulness to really grasp. I mean, do you really believe that Jesus has a spiritual answer to the needs of your life? Not just salvation, but like on a daily basis? And yet, would you say that you're not 100% of always taking God's 100% answer? And that sometimes we go to. I mean, looking for love in all the wrong places. That's what—that's the song I grew up in, with in my era. Because we want love. Love is a good thing. God has made us to be creations that desire love, we're built with that need. But would you say that at least once in your life you could have sung that song? Looking for love in all the wrong places? Guys, this is real. This is real. Now, if we've set that up, I want you to see now throughout God's word how he has answered that. Uh, Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. Okay, you're anxious, and what does he say? Run to Jesus. Is that a right answer? Is that what you do every time you hit the red zone? John 16, 33. The words of Christ himself. I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Anybody agree with that statement? But take heed, I have overcome the world. He's overcoming the world or he has overcome the world? He has. And yet we go looking for love in all the wrong places. Start looking for food or nourishment in all the wrong places. We Start looking for this or that, whatever, in all the wrong places. We have this tendency to, to, to do this, guys, and to kind of steer to the left a little bit instead of just staying there with God has supplied for us. Folks, we don't have to wait to heaven to experience peace and life in Christ Jesus, but then we will know it in full. Can you imagine having no anxiety whatsoever? How many of you would be admitted Warriors, That is, you worry a lot. It just comes natural. If you breathe air in, it comes with a certain amount of worry. Yeah, my, my mom was like that. And I always kidded her. I said, Mom, because like she wouldn't have something to worry about. And she was worried that she was missing something. Like, okay, I'm not worried today, but now I'm kind of freaked out because there must be something I'm missing. And we used to joke her about that, about that all the time. But whether that's you or whether that's a version of you, we all have a little bit of that in us. But he says, now, now heaven is going to be a place of no anxiety, no tribulation, no more death. Look what the next verse says about where this river flows. Revelation 22-2. Through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side the river, The tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Now, it's one of those things that there's a lot of things in this verse. You're going, okay, tree of life. Where have we seen that before? Garden of Eden, okay? But now it's there to bring healing. Now, one of the first questions that somebody might have about this, okay, I thought in heaven there was no more crying, no more pain, no more sickness, No more disease, so why does there have to be healing there? Well, the word that's used here in the Greek is the word therapia, okay? What does that sound like, therapia? Therapy, okay? And so it's not so much treating an illness, but having the full measure of life. And that's the promise of God. John's describing heaven as a place of full life, not just the absence of death. Guys, that's probably the concept that we, even as believers, would probably miss. Or we most often miss. Hey, I'm glad I'm going to heaven because I don't have to go to hell. When I was 12 and I trusted Christ as my Savior, that was my motivation. I've told you that before. It wasn't so much, God, I love you. I passionately want to serve you. No, I don't want to go to this place that is described as a place of burning forever. Made perfect sense to me at 12 years old. Christ has offered, he offered to die for me, and he's going to die for me. I'll take that. But it was much more missing this than getting that. And oftentimes in our spiritual life, we look at the offering of God and... It's like we want to miss this. We don't really think about getting that. One of the things that was just my heartbeat in this passage and and in this series is guys, let's not just look at heaven as escaping earth and all of its tragedies. It is that. No more sickness, no more pain, no more trouble, no more traffic. And yet it's not the things that we're missing and escaping from. It is that, but it's what we're getting. We get God. And the more that we can, even with our BBC, BBC-sized brains and capacity to understand, the more that we can grasp that, the more we begin to grasp what He is promising here. Uh, One of the similarities that we have even now in the Christian life is what uh, a lot of theologians call the Great Exchange. 2 Corinthians 521. I quote it a lot. Because I think it's one of the, the, the most important verses in the Bible to really understand the Christ' life. And in Second Corinthians 5:20 he said, "For our sake, He made him, that is Christ, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God." And theologians call this the great exchange, because God took upon, or Jesus took upon himself all of our sin, but he didn't stop there. He took his rightness, his righteousness, and he imputes it to us. See, if he just took away your sin, then we're at neutral. We're not at a deficit, but we're at neutral. And that's not how the Bible describes us as Christians. He says, what's happened, if you're in Christ, your sins have been forgiven. This negative is gone. But here's what you have, the righteousness of Christ. That's the biblical description of the Christ's life. Do you feel that every day? Well, God, I'm totally right with you. I've done everything right. I haven't done everything right for an hour of my life. And yet, what Christ has done for me is He's imputed His righteousness to me, His rightness to me. Does that make sense, guys? If you get that concept, then you get heaven. It's not just all the bad is gone. We get God in his glory and his holiness, guys. It's not neutral. Man, I'm just glad. Uh, neutral is kind of some, you know, middle, you know, kind of eastern thought of nirvana. You know what nirvana is? Kind of in, in one way. It's not the positive, it's not the negative. It's just nothingness, okay? You're not in pain anymore. It's kind of, this just nothing. It's not heaven. It's not just that the old is gone and the bad is gone. We get to see God. When we see this in the next couple verses, I I want you to look as we read verse 3 and 4. Look at what is absent, okay? You're going to try to find what's absent in these verses in heaven and what is present. Okay, what are you looking for? What is absent and what is present? Verse 3 and 4. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be on it, and His servants will worship Him, and they will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. What's absent? Anything accursed. What's present? God, the Lamb. His very name on our foreheads. Do you think that we can even imagine verse 4 yet? maybe on a baby-sized capacity. I mean, it's kind of like Moses. He couldn't see the face of God, but just be in the presence of the glory. And so when remember last week we said that when Moses came down there going, hey Moses, (laughs) you're shining. (laughs) Radioactive material up there? No, God. And I didn't even see his face. The name on the foreheads? Could be a a reference back to Revelation 14.1. But whether it's a direct correlation back to Revelation 14.1, or it could just be this. God makes his claim on us. How many of y'all have children? And and when your child does something good, let's forget the time that they do something bad. Because then it's like, that's Allison, that's when you go, Andy, look what your child's doing out there. I mean, I get that. I totally get that. Okay. You got a boy and he just scored the touchdown. You got a girl and she just did this. And you—you got all these different things. What is every beat of your heart, parent? That's mine. She's mine. He's mine. I mean, there's a pride there and a good kind of pride, a healthy kind of pride. Not this arrogant kind of pride. That's, that's bad. But The healthy kind of... She's mine. He's mine. And you know what God is saying right there? Carly. you're mine. Ricky, God says to you, you're mine. Do you get that, guys? I mean, what about showing up to heaven and going... Now, who are you? (laughs) Are you sure, sure that you're supposed to be here? But God himself, he writes his name on your forehead. You're mine. That's life. That's peace, guys. It's not about what we're escaping. It is that. We're not minimizing. No more sickness, no no more, anxiety, no more, depression, no more, cancer, no more. The list goes on and on about the no mores. It's what we get. Full life and full peace. Life, peace. Anybody have a grandma in heaven? Or a granddad? Or a mom and dad? Now, again, the main attraction, please get me, is God and Jesus, okay? But will there be peace and will there be life when you see family members and there's this great reunion of the saints? I mean, isn't that kind of our hope of heaven, even in our limited view? That, man, I just I get to talk to dad again. This, this heavenly grandmother that, that prayed for me to come to know Christ, I get to hug her again. And she prayed for me every day that I might know the riches of God's grace in my life. This is a hope that we have, guys. I'm not taking the spotlight off of Jesus and God. I'm just going, it is so no much fuller than we could ever imagine. Life and peace. Look at verse five. And night will be no more. And there'll be no need for light or of lamp or sun, for the Lord will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. How long? Best meal you've ever had in your entire life. Best meal you've ever, how long did it last? Maybe 12 hours, maybe 24 hours. I mean, have you ever eaten so much and it was so good and you're going, I don't think I have to eat again for like a week. And yet within a day or two, Hey, I'm changing my mind here. Life, peace, forever and ever. And he calls us and he writes his name. In the promise that Peter mentions in 1 Peter 2, 9, this description of the Christian that is already in existence will come into the fullness of its reality. What did Peter write? He said, but you are a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Is that true already for those who have put their faith and trust in Christ? Yes. Well, we know it in a more full way when we get to heaven before the throne of God and there's God and there's the Lamb. Yes. That's what he said. And they will reign forever and ever. Royal priesthood, guys. not making much of you. I'm making much of you in Christ. Because God has made much of you. He says, name on your forehead. Calls you by name. She's mine. He's mine. It's as good as it gets. Because that is life. And that is peace to the full. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. And Father, we thank you for your word, and Father, we thank you for your study in heaven. And, and honestly, Father, from our perspective, we would want, Father, a whole bunch more details of things that are interesting to us now. Father, we have admitted, we have confessed <laughs> that the thoughts of a 10,000-year-old uh, third uh, service, worship service, Father, sounds kind of boring to us. We don't don't know how in the world we would ever make it. So, Father, our our minds and our hearts come back to, now, are we going to do this? Are we going to eat? Do I have to eat broccoli in heaven? And yet, Father, will you help us to glean from these six weeks that getting you and being in your presence Father, it is an escape from all the worries, the anxiety, the oppression and depression in this world. Father, it is that. But Father, it's not just back to neutral. Father, there is joy, there is life, and there is peace. And you've given us a little foretaste of that now. The pride of a parent as they see their child come into this world, take its first breath. The joy of what it means to enter into a covenant, man and woman say, till death do us part. Father, we have these little vignettes here on earth and and measures of peace and and life. And yet, Father, we cannot even begin to imagine what it's going to be like one day. When this river of life and these trees of life, Father, will bring us the fullness of everything that you created us to be and to experience because we'll be in your presence. Until that day, Father, will you encourage us? Strengthen us for our walk. Father, help us to to make those choices that truly do follow your word and your commands and Father, that we would seek out even now, Father, things that, that do bring life instead of death into our lives. But Father, will you excite our hearts this morning about that day that we will be before the throne of God and Revelation 22 won't be words that we read, but it will be the experience that we live out for all of those that are in Christ Jesus. Do that even this morning, Father, in our lives as we pray all this in the hope of Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.